Hey, I'm Amy Souter, your host for the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We deliver fresh takes on keeping your business and your life healthy, full of fresh fruits and vegetables, of course, in both capacities. Today's episode is about a big retail win for Aero Farms. Hint, it has to do with Whole Foods Market. The company is part of the company, meaning Aero Farms, is part of the growing sector of high-tech indoor agriculture companies. With Aero Farms, it's never just one thing, though. You'll learn about USDA partnerships, all sorts of research, solving the world's problems, or trying to at least, what's happening in Abu Dhabi, in public schools in the U.S., at celebrity restaurants in New York City and beyond, and with Tom Stenzel. It's just so much. So let's welcome Mark Oshima of Aero Farms and dig into it all. Hey, this is Amy Souter, the editor of PMG, the retail and education editor of The Packer. And we have with us today Mark Oshima, co-founder and chief marketing officer of Aero Farms, based in Newark, New Jersey, and the one of the uh, indoor vertical high-tech farming companies that also does a lot of other things, certified B corporation and um, involved in many aspects of our industry and solving other greater, bigger problems of the world. Welcome. Uh, Great to be here, Amy. Great to be able to uh, get a chance to catch up with you and share some latest developments. Yeah. So tell us just to lay some groundwork a little bit about Aero Farms for anyone who might not know yet. So Aero Farms, we've been one of the pioneers and leaders for indoor vertical farming. Uh, our global headquarters are in Newark, New Jersey, but our roots, we started out in upstate New York and Ithaca. Uh, our former chief science officer, Dr. Ed Harwood, uh, was a professor at Cornell University, so one of the top ag programs. And so that's always been one of the underpinnings for how we think about going to market and how to think about the science-driven approach. Uh, this idea of reimagining where we could farm, so indoor farming, we're thinking about as you can see in the image behind me, beds of growing stack uh, on top of one another in warehouses. And this is growing without sunlight or soil. It's about creating the perfect environment for the, for the plants and understanding what they need from a biological standpoint. So plants don't need sunlight, they need spectrum of light. So the idea that we can, through LEDs, deliver the right spectrum, the right intensity, the right frequency, depending on the plant, depending on the stage of maturation, we can really have more effective photosynthesis and then the key thing here is our ability to grow all year round. Uh, so this idea of enabling local production, uh, production in you know communities, uh, both in urban as well as in rural. So we have farms uh, not only in Newark, New Jersey, but one of the exciting things for us is that we just had our grand opening in Danville, Virginia. Uh, that's just right on the border of Virginia and North Carolina and getting a chance to serve a broader marketplace. So a little bit about the company, you know, leading the way for indoor vertical farming, but we do a lot of work with the broader industry, working with USDA, working with the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research as well. Uh, one of the things that we're excited about and proud of is that we help form the CEA Food Safety Coalition and uh, the idea that we can create new standards and uh, think about, again, how to put best practices uh, into place, but also get a chance to educate FDA and USDA about the differences of indoor growing versus uh, the field growing, uh, different set of challenges in terms of, again, the, the macro pressures that you're seeing out there. So more to share about uh, uh, some of the work we're doing, uh, but the expansion is not only here in the U.S., it's also overseas. We built out in Abu Dhabi and UAE, uh, <clears throat> a brand new facility that's just 
uh, dedicated to R&D. So it's the world's largest indoor vertical farm focusing just on breakthrough technologies, uh, the latest in innovation, latest in crop science. Uh, so we're growing things there like cacao. So the idea that we can think about uh, what we call high value nurseries, things that can then be transplanted out into the field uh, that are going to be more resilient to climate change. So it's exciting for us to think about not only the commercial production, but the R&D and working with other Fortune 100 companies on these uh, bigger issues as well. So a lot of indoor farms or vertical farms, um, I mean, some of them use hydroponics, but part of the name is uh, aero. So it's aeroponics, right? And you use uh, misters in the air with the nutrients to to feed the plants, just to make so- sure. The legacy and and our our expertise has been in something called aeroponics. That's the aero and aero farms as well. And that's a form of hydroponics. The difference is instead of bathing the roots in water, we're misting the roots. So it allows us to be even more judicious with water usage, but also even with nutrients. And so this nutrient uh, rich mist is going right to the root level. Uh, And what it turns out is just really understanding what, you know, about the plant and plant biology, you know, what roots need, they actually need oxygen. And so this creates, by having the roots dangle in air and then misting, creates a really you know, healthy growing environment, healthy biome for that, and allows us to actually have a faster growing process because we're able to deliver exactly what the plant needs and optimize that environment. And so it's different than uh, hydroponics. We use up to 95% less water versus the field, but even 40% less than uh, hydroponics. So um, when we think about today, headline news around drought and, and the pressures that we're seeing, and by the way, it's not just in California. Uh, we've had major drought issues here in New Jersey, you know, where we have our headquarters. Uh, and then we talk about growing in the Middle East, uh, even more challenging. So uh, fresh water is definitely top of mind in terms of, again, how do we be more judicious, you know, with that key resource there. And can you tell a little bit about the Certified B Corporation aspect? So one of the things that we're really excited about is not just the technology, but how we do it, right? And that's really important as a company. You know? And from day one, we've been a mission-driven organization, really thinking about all the stakeholders, the environment, the community, the people, the team, and you know, thinking about uh, how do we um, you know, serve the market. And one of the things that we're really excited about the Certified B Corporation and the certification is that it factors in not only a, score, a transparent scorecard on environmental factors, but also the societal factors. So the idea of creating fair wages, the idea of benefits, the idea of year-round employment. This is very different than traditional agriculture, which tends to be very seasonal. Um, you might not have um, you know, that long-term employment. But here we can think about building and growing our team members as much as we're growing our plants. And so that's a big focus we have. Uh, so with the scorecard, it's important here is that it extends beyond uh, even just the world of agriculture, right? So today, you know, if you think about what's happening with an organic and now regenerative organic, it's a recognition that our traditional uh, benchmark there has not gone far enough to factor in the externalities. You know, what's the true cost to the environment or the, the team members? The B Corps, and that was really important to us, in, in, in encompasses that uh, broader you know, perspective. And then it's also how we can think about business can be a force for good across you know different types of industries. So Patagonia or Danone, you know, are also or, or method cleaning products. These are also certified B corporations. And ultimately, it's how do we develop a common language, a common framework to be able to address you know these key issues that we're facing? What were you saying about regenerative organic? Well, the regenerative organic, um, and we're seeing that development. The idea of, um, again, how to be even better stewards is looking at 
where some of the challenges or shortcomings of traditional organic, you know, has been. So uh, has not gone far enough in terms of factoring in those externalities, right? And so the regenerative is a more encompassing, you know, point of view, but it's a reaction to recognizing, you know, those original standards just have not gone far enough. Do you have an example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea of, you know, for example, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, uh, the water usage, right? And, and, um, and again, even when we think about um, that part of the equation, you know, it, it's such a you know, organic certification today does not factor that in, but the regenerative is looking at the whole ecosystem um, and, and trying to have a broader purview there. Okay. Yeah. Um, now the actual products that you, you know, the food that you sell at the retail level, let's tell about that. Yeah. yeah so uh, where we've uh, have a lot of history and, our commercial farms are, are focused on leafy greens, herbs, and, and microgreens. And so we sell you know, a wide range of those different products. Uh, our technology has been optimized specifically for these short stem leafy greens so that we can get as many vertical beds stacked in, in a space to be able to drive greater productivity. Uh, and so uh, we've grown hundreds of different varieties. Uh, and then so we sell both to retail as well as to food service and work with you know a, a great number of different partners. And so What's exciting for us now with expansion in, in terms of our geography uh, and expansion in our new farm down in Virginia, uh, it's giving us a far greater capacity to be able to work with a far greater number of retailers. And so, uh, for example, in September, we launched uh, with the fresh market in all 22 states and, and chain wide. And so it's exciting for us to have a big impact on that. And then the big news that we're excited to be able to share with your audience as we speak right now, we're rolling out nationwide to Whole Foods. So we've had a huge presence, huge market in the Northeast. And wow. I know right near where, where you are, Amy, that you've had a chance to be able to enjoy the product. Yeah, it's uh, we've had, yeah, we've had huge demand. And so, um, you know, again, this idea of being able to roll out nationwide underscores that end of the day, it, it's, uh, it's about having a very differentiated product, right? And the idea that um, this is really important when we think about and how do we partner? How do we partner effectively with our selling partners, but more importantly, with the consumer? Uh, they're looking for those differences. Uh, we really celebrate the fact that, you know, our flavor, it's uh, incredible flavor profiles, incredible varieties, incredible freshness. Uh, we also think about the idea that it's sustainably grown indoors, but no pesticides ever. It's a clean product. doesn't need to be washed. And so, um, you know, and we look at key metrics like net promoter score, getting feedback from the consumer, and we're leading the industry. So the net promoter score is would you recommend this product or service to a friend or family member? And it's a simple one question, but it really signifies your personal endorsement on the product. And what's been exciting to see the feedback is that we're leading the category on that. You couple that with our incredible high sales uh, velocity that we're seeing at the store level uh, through the syndicated data. This is an exciting time for us in terms of that expansion and how we think about uh, meeting that demand and, and our expansion around uh, the United States here. What? What exact products are going to be in, I don't even like calling it, pro, I like talking about the food itself, but uh, what what leafy greens or microgreens or, or what's going to be in the whole food stores? You said, is it every whole food store nationwide yeah. or? Every whole food nationwide um, uh, will be carrying and those be uh, different assortments from 
Uh, in some cases, our, our, our baby leafy greens, like our incredible baby watercress or our baby water, uh, baby bok choy, um, to our microgreens that have been leading the industry. So today, just even out of the Northeast, you know, we've become the number one retail brand for microgreens in, throughout the United States. So helping build this category and creating new eating occasions. So things like our, our micro super or micro spicy, uh, things like our micro broccoli, which just one uh, key accolades from Progressive Grocer for their editor's pick of the year, only produce company to be recognized like that. So really excited to be able to drive innovation and have that be recognized both by industry and then by the consumer. And so um, depending on the region, there's be a slightly different assortment, but the idea of both baby and, and uh, the microgreens uh, will be available. What are the best selling products or is it different in different areas or yeah yeah so uh it, it's uh it, it it's kind of hard to say because of some of those you know slight differences um our micro rainbow uh, has been overall the biggest you know and it has so many different applications uh, it's this medley of flavors medley of colors so it can be used as that center of the base it can be used as the topping it can be used as uh in sandwiches so many different ways to enjoy it so it's really that kind of the workhorse uh, but we see really strong response again uh the micro super micro spicy uh now the micro broccoli we think about you know food is medicine you know you think about these trends in terms of you know broccoli itself has so many great uh immunity building and, and anti-inflammatory the sulforaphane um people are aware you know of, of the healthy benefits there uh, but it has an incredible flavor profile. So the biggest thing that's exciting to see in terms of, again, in the adoption is that people's excitement around the flavor. And, uh, yeah. Spectrum. Right. And, <laughs> we've, um, and we've developed uh, our, what we call our flavor spectrum. Exactly. Um, and the idea of how do we bring the science and technology together? But uh, if you look at our packaging and think about how we show up on shelf, uh, we've really highlighted the tasting notes, but we also paired those tasting notes with a, a specific color. Uh, to help give a cue to the you know, consumer about how to navigate. So when we talk about our micro super mix, it actually has a, a sort of a, a fiery uh, orange, kind of looks like a hot sauce, right? Um, our One of our more recent introductions is our micro wasabi. Uh, and that's um, uh, this bold, intense red, you know. Um, uh, but it's been fun to see, you know, the consumer embrace uh, all these products. And they all have a, a specific reason for being and very specific taste profile. So it's been fun to get the, the feedback from not only um, the consumer, but top chefs. You know, so we're working with top chefs like Marcus Samuelson, top chefs like David Chang. Uh, and, you know, we work with great, you know, other partners um, in terms of the food service, but also in terms of, you know, uh, one of our key food service partners is Singapore Airlines. So the idea that we have a farm to plane program um, and really setting this, you know, very high bar uh, from the culinary standpoint. And, and the food has been a big part of that. But we collaborate very closely with their head of culinary on, on menu development. And so our greens are enjoyed you know, on their flights as well. So it's been fun to see the impact we can have um, both at retail and then on the food service side as well. I knew that you had done s some things or I've seen David Chang on, on your um, website, like the the rolling video. Uh, but I didn't know anything about Marcus Samuelson. What do you, What have you done with him? Yeah, so one of his key restaurants is right in our backyard, Marcus BP. And so we've worked closely with the team in terms of, um, you know, our greens are showing up in, in the menu, you know, every single day. And so uh, he's been a big supporter. His team's been a big supporter. Um, and it, nothing better to be able to go out to lunch and enjoy your greens, you know, that uh, that you've grown and that you then have had a chance to you know, work with these great chefs on. 
Cool. I think I went to one of his restaurants years ago, Red Rooster in Harlem. Or, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was cool. And met him at a, an event, but uh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I love like, so you got you got you're covering all the bases of like the science, the greater good, the the foodies, the celebrities, the um and nutrition and also trying to the flavor spectrum gets me or the marketing, the packaging because it's uh simple for people who don't understand, you know, everything and are not super into food um or foodies you know um so it can explain that to them in a simple way you know this is going to be fiery this is going to be mild you know mm -hmm. um so at least they know what they're getting and they don't have to guess or um and then but it also appeals to foodies who really care about all the aspects um and yeah. um but that's so so what did, you said the uh, fresh market in september fresh market uh, the Fresh Market. The uh, Fresh Market. That's right. Chain wine. Uh, um, it was what you said, 22 states? They're in 22 states, over 160 stores. Yeah. Um, and then now with Whole Foods um, in October, uh, nationwide launch, chain-wide launch as well. So, yeah, and working very closely with Whole Foods Global, you know, team on, again, understanding uh, the product, product differentiation, the product assortment, and thinking again long term, you know, how do we collaborate and drive uh, and create some excitement in the category? Uh, and so this is uh, these aren't me too products. This is thinking about again how do we expand the category? How do we expand consumption? Uh, what's been incredibly exciting to see is the consumer thinking about you know um, it's not just a salad, right? It's it's not just uh, for dinner. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? And uh, we see things like, for example, the baby bok choy we we're just talking about. You know, not only is it showing up at David Chang's Momo Cooper Noodle Bar in the ramen, right? But we know then in the home testing as well that 55% of the consumers are cooking with it too. So the idea that it can be incorporated into a stir fry, um, we have a whole campaign, juicier than spinach. So, you know, we have this great recipe for like Spanish capita, but using our baby bok choy instead of spinach. Uh -huh. So this idea that, you know, we can create, I mean, spinach uh, is a workhorse today because it's usually more of a vehicle. It's kind of bland and has some nutrient density. Our baby bok choy is actually more nutrient dense than the spinach and then more flavorful. So people are just really enjoying it, you know, uh, in so many different ways. So that's what's exciting. You know, when we think about um, changing behavior, you know, make it taste good. Uh, one of the initiatives that I wanted to share with you as well is that we have continued to expand our community farms program. Uh, so this is where we've had smaller installations uh, in schools, uh, as well as now we've expanded into community centers, uh, public housing, and then we have a, a bigger push into schools that we're going to be announcing uh, later this fall, unveiling uh, more schools that are going into public and private schools. So the idea that we can create this next generation um, consumer, but also next generation farmer. So these are hands-on farms for the students. Uh, it's coupled with STEM education. Uh, but then it goes right into their, their dining as well. So they have an incredible connection with their food because they've grown it. And that's the best part about it is that they then eat it, you know, so, uh, and then it has this really amazing ripple effect into their family and then into the broader community. So, uh, we're excited to be able to have touch points, um, you know, both with the commercial large scale farms, our R&D farms, and then the community farms as well. I have read research about, well, as a parent of a young child now, I've read 
child nutrition research and tips and studies and strategies on how to get your kids to eat vegetables and, um, or just try new things and eat more things. And, uh, they, I did learn and try to implement, get your kids involved in the cooking, get them, you know, garden, show them, have them mm-hmm. pick the berries and, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, and it turns out uh, microgreens are the perfect little finger food for the for the kids wow. too. And, and and look, no preps needed, no washing, right? Ultimate inconvenience, uh, but it's you know really easy bite size, you know. So it's really easy to be able to uh, incorporate into so many different dishes. So, so what's the west westmost westernmost farm you have? Um, Right. Is it, you just still have the Danville, I forget the list of farms. Um, yeah. So we, we've announced plans for the Midwest region to have uh, our next farm in the St. Louis region. And right. so that's uh, uh, been active. But again, the idea that, uh, you know, that footprint that it's going to serve uh, because of the demand. And you know, so the idea that we'll continue to help support, you know, overall production and what we're doing. So, yeah, where we have continued to evolve our thinking is, you know, how big is the farm? So when we think about the initial vertical farm that we built out in Newark, which was the world's largest indoor vertical farm, you know, it's been recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, but they put it in perspective, the farm we built out in Danville, twice as big, four times as productive, right? So all the technology, you know, incorporating the latest uh, Model 5 technology in our new farm, hands-free automation and then growing. The next farm is going to be even bigger, right? And even more productive. And so um, that, what's been exciting for us is to have to continue to evolve our thought process down the entire building, you know, as a growing system. So it's this marriage of understanding the plants, understanding the environment, understanding systems, understanding controls, world-class operations and food safety. How does that all come together? And we have an incredible team, uh, over 300 people really passionate and aligned around our mission to grow the best plants possible for the betterment of humanity. And you know, thinking about how do we drive breakthroughs and what's exciting is the product is leading the way. And so people's response and, um, you know, we just did a, a major tasting with the fresh market team and, you know, people had no idea like how good greens could taste and seeing their reaction uh, was really powerful. And it's just a reminder, you know, that we're creating a, a very differentiated product and really a new category of better flavor, better nutrient, you know, and this idea that, uh, it's grown with up to 95% less water and no pesticides is setting a new bar. Is uh, the business model kind of, well, I guess everything's always changing and evolving, but um, I mean, I kind of thought part of it was to have a small farm in an urban area and to serve that area. Um, so is that kind of changing when national retailers want your stuff? Yeah. So what it is, is it's a reminder that, Again, when you have a differentiated product, it's again, how do you serve the marketplace? And so um, that's really been the thing about for us, you know, how do you build a brand more efficiently as well? It's going to drive a lot of efficiencies on a few fronts. And, you know, again, the big thing here is, um, you know, when we think about local, um, what does that really mean? Um, there's no definition defined by the USDA, right. um, you know, on one hand, grown in the USA, right? Versus we import the majority of our fruits and vegetables today into the United States, even though we think we're this bed of agriculture, um, we do import the majority of the fruits and vegetables. So um, the idea that we can have that, and, and again, different regions, right? So we're talking about you know, these ideas of food security, food resiliency, you know, if we're talking about you know growing in the UAE, you know, incredibly arid, uh, very hot, 
you know, you really can't do the outdoor farming that same way. So how do we create the, and certainly think about a more resilient supply chain from that standpoint. So where we think about our impact is around first, can we grow and have a very differentiated product and really reinforce our brand and the brand proposition? Uh, and then we think about, again, the efficiency of, you know, how do we distribute? And this is really where we're partnering, you know, with, uh, with industry and, and, and be able to leverage, you know, the front lanes and, and have a tremendous amount of efficiency from that standpoint. So um, the consumer at the end of the day is going to get a fresher product that's grown just in time that has this incredible flavor profile uh, and be able to enjoy it. And the biggest challenge that we've had to date is this accessibility. Um, there's a major challenge and, you know, you cover the industry. Uh, the field pressures are, are growing more acute, whether it's water, uh, there's more pest pressure than ever before. Right. So, uh, there's shortages right now as, as we speak because of the pest pressures. Uh, the, the moving of, you know, growing from, you know, California to Arizona, that shoulder season, um, is getting tougher too for the industry to manage because of the variability of weather. So, uh, this is about, you know, for the customer, uh, year round availability, consistent supply chain, um, no, you know, opportunity, uh, sales are being lost because of, you know, not having product. So this is really important thinking about those long-term relationships that we're building from a strategic standpoint. And then the consumer, you're, you're trying to get them to adopt this into an everyday lifestyle, right? Not a diet, but an everyday lifestyle. And that's really important. And that availability, accessibility is key to that unlock there. So you get people ingrained. Everyone has that favorite dish that you can't ever take off the menu or, or what you're making at home. And so that's what's been exciting to uh, see, you know, that kind of engagement. And let's talk about the the broader CEA or controlled environment agriculture um, section of the produce industry. Um, what what's happening um, going forward that that we can expect? Well, I mentioned that some of the work that we've done in coming together with industry is the development of the CEA Food Safety Coalition. Um, we have a new executive director, Tom Stenzel, incredible background and experience within the produce industry. And, you know, our lens there is expanding up beyond food safety, recognizing that this idea of CEA to A, controlled environment agriculture, indoor grown, is the fastest growing segment at retail. And the idea is how do we represent the broader uh, industry? And so we've expanded the, the scope beyond food safety. We've expanded the scope beyond just leafy greens. It's anything grown indoors uh, in a controlled environment. And so that's exciting for us to think about the kind of impact we can have and then be able to help drive, you know, the industry forward. And I think it's really important that we help establish uh, the benchmarks, the standards, uh, and, and understand, you know, again, how we can help uh, the industry, you know, from that uh, sharing those best practices. What is the line between like a greenhouse and a CEA? Like, I mean, even greenhouses can be high, can they be somewhat high tech? I mean, what, what level? Yeah. So when we talk about controlled environment, so there's a distinction there in terms of, you know, if you think about a, a traditional, maybe just covered in plastic or a hoop house, that's one level of a greenhouse, but we're talking more of a high tech, you know, glass greenhouse that we have more controls uh, of the environment. And I think that's really important uh, when we think about first the lens of you know, how do we do more with less when we're talking about water, right? So the idea of being more judicious with, with water usage, uh, the idea with growing indoors, um, Typically, and we're leading the way, but the idea of using less or even no pesticides um, is another factor in terms of, again, delivering what the consumer ultimately is looking for, which is a clean product. Um, but when we talk about control, that's really that distinguishing factor there. 
of making that distinction there. So it tends to be more the high-tech um, glass greenhouse and then the high-tech indoor vertical farms that... Um, well, those are, obviously are, are yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. just know what in Ontario, there's a huge greenhouse industry. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you get uh, companies wanting to be in the CEA coalition that, that might not qualify or how you... Yeah, so we try to be less prescriptive in terms of saying like, or or defining and saying like, um, it's more about can you meet these levels of standards with your practices, and that's um, ultimately you know when we think about um, you know the, the clear definition and you know when we rolled out the CA Food Safety Coalition seal was also looking at can you meet these standards you know to be able to deliver this. Um, indoor growing, you know, it can be hydroponic, it can be greenhouse, it can be an indoor vertical farm, it can be aeroponics, uh, it can be aquaponics, but can you meet these standards and they're higher standards than more controls than what you would have out in the field? That ultimately becomes the defining, you know, characteristics. Okay. And at some point you're going to def- tell us all what the standards are? <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot of work with uh, the food safety. We rolled out uh, version 1.0. We're actually working on 2.0 uh, that will be coming out uh, relatively soon. Uh, but this idea of, of looking at sustainability, the idea of looking at s- standards and quality is another area. Uh, we have working groups. Uh, we encourage industry to come join us and, and uh, come join uh, and reach out to Tom Stenzel, who is, as I said, is the executive director. Uh, we're building a broader uh, base of companies. And so, yeah, we welcome this idea of working together to drive industry together. And some of the companies are expanding beyond leafy greens and herbs and microgreens. They're going into strawberries seems to be the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we, we've seen um, that development. Um, Aerofarms itself, I mean, we've been going, you know, um, over 75 different uh, types of strawberries. Uh, we have a major partnership with Quarter Fruit, the number one blueberry company in the world, growing beautiful blueberries as well. Um, we grow have grown beautiful tomatoes. It's where we can add value that we continue to look at. You know, where is the right you know, business you know model and, and proposition? But the idea, fundamentally, without question, is that this is expansive, uh, inclusive of anything that can be grown indoors. So we're talking about the vine crops um, beyond just the world of leafy greens. We're talking about the fruiting different things as well. Um, but listen, we commercialized uh, a beer last year growing the hops uh, with a partner, AB InBev, and uh, their Goose Island division. So the idea that a wide range of different um, props, and I mentioned earlier on the cacao that's working with Cargill. So uh, beer and chocolate are very much uh, topics of mind for people. And, and um, the pressure, the traditional growing uh, regions for those are more challenged than ever before. Hops, if you imagine, is growing up in the Northwest. You know, we had to develop new languages last year called the heat dome. Like we never had, the, you know, the heat dome, like the, the heat is actually through the pressure. It's, it's just captured there and it's creating this really uh, inhospitable growing environment. You know, so the traditional growing regions are more challenged than ever before. You know, how do we think differently about uh, that production or how do we think differently about high value nurseries where we can focus on as well that can then be translated back out into the field and be more resilient. And maybe my final question is when shoppers are looking at uh, in the supermarket, in the the wet rack, in the, the, the packaged greens areas, um, refrigerated areas, they um, are we there's is this uh, companies with that are grown CEA um, 
regaining more real estate or will they eventually see some kind of seal or I think or, or logo or something that kind of says that this was grown it's like a certified CEA way? Sure. So we did roll out the CEA food safety seal. So, you know, companies like Arrow Farms, but uh, Bright Farms or, you know, Plenty, I mean, they've all gone through the certification and you can see that on the package itself. Um, this new broader focus that we're saying, you know, for CEA is something that we see as the opportunity to define that a nice idea of indoor grown um, protected agriculture uh, is a means of both signaling to the consumer, but as well as the customer, how to merchandise this. You know, so today, you know, you see uh, an organic section. We very much envision an indoor grown section mm. as a means of differentiation for the consumer. Uh, an educated consumer is our best consumer, understanding, again, uh, the benefits, uh, both of the environment, but also in the product quality. Yeah. Okay. So I need to look closer because it is there already. Right. It's starting and oh. starting. And so I will say, um, this is uh, where we think as an industry, why th there's the power of coming together to be able to help define this further. Great. Any other final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, well, the biggest thing is that, you know, there's been a lot of demand for the product. And so for us, we're excited with the national expansion. So again, access is the number one thing to building the brand further. And so yeah. um, we're excited to be able to be in this, you know, high growth mode, both here uh, domestically as well as even internationally. And so, I would just say stay tuned. There's more news coming. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're really excited about last week, we were recognized by Fortune magazine for their Change the World list. Uh, one of 54 companies selected from around the world about our social impact, our innovation, and our business model. So more exciting news to come, and we'll have more news to share sh shortly. Wow. Well, we look forward to hearing it. All right. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Talking with Mark is jam-packed with news, and it feels like we touched on 10 different big topics that could each be in-depth conversations all on their own. I hope our chat inspired you in your business strategies and home life hacks. Anyway, don't miss our earlier episodes. In our last episode, Equitable Food Initiative, or EFI, took the lead on a chat with Tony Pacheco, Health and Safety and Temporary Foreign Worker Manager at Winset Farms in Delta, British Columbia. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and rate us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. It really does help us out. Those of you who work in the fresh produce industry, you should find us on our websites, producemarketguide.com and thepacker.com. We're also active on several social media platforms like Instagram and LinkedIn. You can find more ways to follow us in our show notes. Plus, we'll have some helpful links to learn more about AeroFarms too. And we'll have so much more from the great produce industry plus healthy lifestyle conversations coming soon. Thank you so much. Talk to you next time.